Welcome back to the Basecamp Community Coachcast hosted by your head coaches, Tim Cusick and me, Namrita Brooke. We discuss timely topics related to our group training program that you can apply to get the most out of the next 16 weeks. I am Namrita, the Basecamp coach and sports nutritionist. I have been coaching for over 10 years. I have a PhD in applied exercise physiology and a master's in sports nutrition, and I'm also a registered dietitian. My name is Tim Cusick, and I'm the Basecamp head coach. I've been coaching for over 18 years, and I've had the privilege of coaching athletes to numerous national and world championships and to the Olympics. Yes, awesome. So I guess everyone does know us by now, but now you know us a little better. <laughs> this is awesome, um, though. We're on podcast number two of Basecamp Community. It's, uh, it's so awesome to be doing them with a purpose now. Yeah, yeah. And we had some really, really good questions for this week's topic, which we're really talking about the interplay of different performance impacting factors or variables. Um, it's, I mean, we've talked about this when we, you know, we did our FTP test and we say performance is just not a number. You're not your FTP and all that. It's not, um, you know, what's your resting heart rate. It's not, it's not any one thing. It's this complicated, um, interaction of different variables that goes into, um, creating great performances, whatever that means to you. And I think that's, you know, really the unique part or the unique, um, offering of our program is, is we address all the main pieces, especially now that we have mental performance in, in the game. We have obviously our training program. We have the nutrition piece, which I'm leading. We have the strength piece that Menachem's leading. And now Carrie Jackson has come in to help lead the mental performance side. And then of course, you know, we have biomechanics and things like that. So um, we are addressing them. And I think today we had some really good questions come in that will help people. I think, you know, some people who especially are new to the program will think about all of these things individually. And maybe it can be a little bit overwhelming because they're like, well, I just came here to like lose weight or I just came here to get faster. But like now I'm thinking about all these things. So today I think we can talk a little bit more about how they do interweave together and, you know, what that means to you as the athlete. You know, here's something that somebody asked me today going down this road. So I'll give you an example. You're right. When you first get into base camp, the problem is we do take this multifaceted approach. And that means for the first couple of weeks, it seems pretty like there's a lot of stuff, right? We're working on aerobic engine. We're working on cadence. We're working on fueling. We're working on all these different things. Let me give you some understanding and thinking about what will happen in the next 16 weeks, well, 15 weeks now, right? <laughs> Think about like Kathy and I love to go to New York City during Christmas and you go to Times Square anywhere in New York City and you're walking around the streets and it looks like ultimate chaos. There's people everywhere, there's lights, there's things are flashing, there's cars, right? But if you go up in a skyscraper, if you go up in the Empire State Building and you look down over New York City, you're actually like, wow, this is very patterned. There's kind of a park in the middle. All the roads are in pretty neat little grids, right? Oh, I can see all the things that when I was at that ground level, when I was walking the sidewalks or in Times Square, or wherever I was, it was so chaotic. When we get up high and we can look down, right, we understand it all better. But when we think about complex subjects like training, it takes some time to get up in the skyscraper, but that's what we're going to try to do. But there's no shortcut. So when you first come in, there's a lot. You're at street level. You're seeing all the people and all the lights and all the cars and everything else. 
be patient. Each podcast, each educational program, each interaction we have, we're kind of going up a couple of floors in the skyscraper. And eventually you're going to be able to look down and say, wow, this all really makes sense to me. So it's coming. Yeah, that's a really cool way to think about it and visualize it. Um, so, so how do we do that big picture? You're coming in, um, it all centers around what your goals are, right? How would you kind of bring it all together to start with the high level view? So we call this, this idea of interplay, right? And interplay is how we make all these things work together. And let's, we'll get a little more specific on that, but it really comes down to outcome goals. So we ride a bike, we get into a couple of events, we start getting fit, we train a little, right? We actually have, even the people who are like, I just want to be fit. Um, mm -hmm. We have some pretty defined goals. And what that really means is we are taking input, exercise, stimuli, things like that, but we want output. Like we want to be faster. I mean, we could keep it that simple, right? For Because we can apply, we want to be fat. We want to feel better and stronger on the bike or any endurance or any sport really, but endurance sport for longer and longer. To achieve performance, Let's, let's just tackle it from a human system, from you first, before we get into like the outside things like nutrition and strength and everything else. There's this great quote. I'm actually going to read it from my little cheat sheet here because it helps me. Elite athletic performance involves the integration of muscular, cardiovascular, and neurological factors that function cooperatively. Such an important word that function cooperatively to efficiently transfer the energy from aerobic and anaerobic ATP turnover into velocity and power. And why I love that statement when we start talking about it is you are a complex system. And in you, the human being, there's multiple systems. You have a muscular system, you have a cardiovascular system, you have a nor. You could look at a metabolic, you could look at your immune system, you could look at your endocrine system, right? Really great training makes them work cooperatively. And what that means is each play a role in your athletic performance. And if we can put in place good training to maximize those systems and how they all work together to achieve your outcome goal, to be faster, stronger, better, whatever you, whatever you want to do it, then we win over-focus or under-focus on any one of those areas might actually be considered a form of fitness, but it usually is a limiter to taking that fitness or conditioning into performance. That's the differentiator. If you really want performance, you must be diligent about teaching these systems to work cooperatively. So that's the big picture understanding. Yeah. And so high level, again, because you you really created this training program, how did you, I mean, it's it's laying out, you know, each week and the purpose of the training cycle and each week, and then it's the individual workouts and how they work together. So how are you, like we're in cycle one now of four cycles. Yeah. Um, how did you take that approach and laying out, you know, we're in week two right now? Well, we lean into the idea of periodization. The thing is, right, one of the things that you like to think is like, oh, Tim has these, I just named three systems. I would really call it four. If we think about it, I look to improve four core things. Let's even move away from the complex idea of systems. I want metabolic response, neuromuscular response, cardiovascular response, 
And then supporting systems response. What I mean by supporting system is your central nervous system, your endocrine system, your immune system, right? We need to create, we need to apply stress and create strain for those systems in a specific um, process. I don't want to quite say order, right? Because it, it makes it seem like it's just X's and O's and, and a very defined process. We need to balance out the stress and strain so that, like, think about it like as four bars, right? And each week we're raising this bar of the cardiovascular focus a little bit, and we're moving down the neuromuscular focus a little bit. But the next week we push neuromuscular up and we bring metabolic down a little bit because in the end of the day, we want to raise all the bars, mm -hmm. but we can't go in there. Like one of the things about training, if you focus on everything, you actually focus on nothing at all. And that really is the basis of periodization. Meaning periodization isn't just a schedule or a clock, right? Periodization as a whole, does, there's no even scientific proof periodization works. Progression, systems activation, the good principles of training, that works. So that's what we're doing, right? We don't want to focus on everything. At all. And don't get me wrong, you're always focusing on some degree of all of those. But we're a little more focused over time. And sometimes that's acute, like what we're doing in the week. Sometimes it's a cycle and sometimes it's the whole 16 week program. The end game though, is we're trying to raise them all, but we want them to play nice. We want them to cooperate with each other. So we want them all happy that the other ones are going up. We don't want anybody being jealous or we don't want, Hey, that one's going up more than me. We force them to work together because we're executing our program. Yeah, that's awesome. So hopefully that gives a little bit more context and insight. I know, you know, we do um, some cadence work now. All, everything is, um, or the majority of what we're doing in this program is aerobic base building, but, you know, with little micro focuses here and there. And now you can hopefully um, understand why and how that all fits together. So that's a great background. Um, so it's interesting, like we're, we are in, we're not in the performance phase yet. We are building foundation or we are conditioning our system. So it's when we think about what conditioning is, when we go back to, okay, outcome goals, what's the purpose? I think um, before we can even think about performing, we need, we need this period of conditioning the body to what I would say is um, resist fatigue. Um, so we can train more later so we can train at higher power targets later so we can go faster. Um, so we can be more durable so we can, you know, have better repeatability, et cetera, et cetera, go longer. Um, but when we think about fatigue, it's not very easy to explain. Um, so let's, you know, the example, a really simple example is we have plenty of fat stores in our body. So why do we get tired if we are still riding at an endurance pace? Eventually we're going to get tired, even though we have plenty of fuel in our body. So it's complex. I mean, it's involving all these different systems from the central nervous system, metabolic, um, uh, musculoskeletal, neuromuscular, all of those things, again, are, in, are involved in that interplay of systems inside us. So we've got outside inputs, we have a lot of complicated things that need to kind of work together. And it involves some level of uh, understanding our own bodies and like listening to fatigue signals. So, you know, we're kind of coaching you through that using the metrics of stress and strain 
then we'll start talking more about per perceived exertion and how to kind of align how we're feeling to what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, fatigue is just, if you want to explain it simply, it's a, it's a series of signals that arise from any one of our physiological systems that really just result in us not feeling great. And we want to slow down or stop or just, you know, just get off the bike and we're done. Um, but what we are trying to do now is address these different systems in different ways to help us be better at resisting that fatigue or tolerating it better or delaying it. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, you need conditioning for performance, right? And mm -hmm. for some reason, we tend to think about those together. And, and there's obviously uh, absolutely related, but first we need conditioning so we can train hard enough for peak performance. Conditioning, fitness, the simplest and best definition is the ability to resist all fatigue formats, systematical resistance of fatigue. So that's an excellent way to answer it and really a good uh, point to be made. Because as you're out there training, you're like, am I getting faster? Right now, we just want you to resist fatigue. Right now, we're just focusing on your conditioning. But we're also trying to balance out all the little systems that are going to be part of that. Yeah. So what's the... Um... What's the first thing we can think of when we're thinking about like managing all these variables? Like what, what is the one thing that the athlete in our program needs to just keep in mind? You know, <laughs> honestly, be consistent. Yeah. Like to me, and we laid this out in our startup, right? Like visually think about that little pyramid we had with three levels, picture it in your mind now. At the bottom of that pyramid level is consistency. Then we have training rhythm and then progression, right? If you do those three right, you're going to get 98% there. You know, and the thing is, if we keep it that simple, we don't make it hard, we're going to have quality workouts. We're going to have less quality, we're going to have less workout failure. We're going to miss less workouts. We're going to be more motivated because simple success feels good, right? But if you think about what we just said, it, you highlight it highlights why consistency is so important. If we're going to be working on all these different systems and one day we're leaning into this system a little bit more and the next day we're leaning into that system a little bit more and the next day we're, if you start missing more and more workouts, you're not getting the multifaceted training approach to improve conditioning that we're attempting to deliver. And you eliminate the, you eliminate the constant application of stimuli, which will basically signal your body it doesn't need to adapt as much. Like this is going to be an ad hoc or a haphazard application. I'm okay. So it's those two key things. Consistency drives the boat. If you want good conditioning, you want a multifaceted performance capability, you got to be consistent. Mm. Yeah. And you, you mentioned missing workouts. I think just to make another point, a similar point, um, this program is created with intentionality. So it's not like we just put in cadence drills to eliminate boredom. It's, you know, we are, we are driving specific adaptations. Um, so we need to do them accordingly. And if you're either skipping them or doing your own thing or um, tacking on group rides here and there, or, or you're, and this is something you alluded to in, in a recent um, blog post, but if your threshold number is set too high, you're not going to get the adaptations that we are intending you to get. Um, you know, it's so funny you say that. What breaks down this relationship so often is endurance athletes, uh, no pain, no gain. Like, yeah. and I know we've all heard that a thousand times, like we shouldn't do that. 
but we're in, it's ingrained into our egos. It's ingrained into this complex, like there's, it's got, somebody literally said this in a post today. It just felt too easy. It's got to be, it has to be harder than this. No, actually, no, it doesn't. It can be that, right? You don't, everything doesn't have to be to exhaustion. It doesn't have to feel like you're pounding yourself with a hammer. It's okay. As a matter of fact, sometimes to actually get the desired response, and not sometimes, a fair amount of time, it should feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people who have been in the program several years will will get this and they know what's coming. It's like, you know, if you're constantly trying to overshoot targets or do more or be at the high end of the range or above your range now, it will come back to bite you later <laughs> when workouts get harder and longer. Um so yeah, the patience is really the hardest part, but um, so let's, I think we can talk more about training when we get into the questions. Sure. Um, yeah. But well, what do we, we do have... to support that though, Namri? This was a point you made easier. Maybe you could talk about. So if training is at the core and we don't want, we want to be consistent. We don't want workout failure. That's the other part of how we integrate or interplay our nutrition where do you see if people struggle? Like I can see it in training and I might, it's easy for me to say somebody's too, and you know, their intensity is too high. Or why are other reasons people are failing in those workouts? What are, what is our multi uh, systematic approach delivering? Yeah. I mean, I think, and I'm not just being biased, but I really think a big one is nutrition. Um, oh, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it, there's a lot of reasons potentially why behind it, but one is, um, you know, sometimes people just don't know. Um, and so we are here to help coach you through that. Um, we do have, if you haven't done it yet, we have, um, the ability to get, um, nutrition and fueling targets integrated with your training plan. So go ahead and do that. Um, because that helps you to fuel for the work. Um, it's, you know, this is something commonly said in, sports science is you need to fuel for the work required. And as we are, you know, getting back into training, we're starting to build some volume. We're starting to get into more tempo work. Um, if you've come off the couch or a long off season, or you haven't done structured training in a while, this is a huge stress on your body that you need to intentionally provide additional energy for and the right type of energy. And ideally, you know, in an optimal time fashion <laughs> to support training and recovery. So a lot of people probably are not doing that or um, they don't think they need to, but one of the signs is you're um, over fatigue later on. Maybe you're, you're struggling to get through some of these tempo workouts now, or, you know, we had a lot of people um, really commenting on the alarm phase that they felt tired just after week one. So definitely addressing the nutrition piece to make sure that, you know, you're getting enough energy and you're staying hydrated too. Couldn't agree more. Everyone talks about overtraining. Here's one of my statements, a little too black and white, but it's poignant. Under fueling and overtraining, you know, we always hear about overtraining, but under fueling and overtraining are basically doing the same exact thing to your body. Mm. If you're under fueling, if you're not eating, if you're not keeping up with your energy availability and other stuff, the impact is just like overtraining. So mm -hmm. I see the number, and I'm already seeing it. And I actually commented on a workout review on Thursday that. I see people under fueling as the work is getting a slightly harder. Now you're going to start to see that you do, you want to adapt. You want all these great multi-system approaches. You've got to have your fueling, right? It's absolutely part of the system. Yep. So that's something we're going to continue to work on more um, starting next week. 
but hopefully many of you have already gotten a head start on that. So I think we can start heading into the listener questions because they're really good. Um, you good with that? Yeah, yeah, no, let's, let's toss them out there. <laughs> okay, this one's a big one. <laughs> I have limited- well, Wait a minute, no, no, can you say, because yeah. somebody asked me, it was yeah. funny, where do these listener questions come from? Like who are the so listeners we, that are asked? Yeah, we have um, a Facebook group that's um, private for our, our group coaching. And I post a poll in the group every Tuesday morning to ask for questions with the you know topic listed. So that's where these are from. So the questions are for members only. Sorry, mm -hmm. I know some people from that aren't a member listen to this and that's great, take away some things, but the questions are for members only. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so first one is I have limited time available. What should I focus on to see the most gains? I think we can probably both answer this, but I'll let you go first. Well, my answer was going to be make more time. <laughs> now, um, you know, in the end of the day, I, I'll answer it a little differently. Don't stress about that. I already see people doing it. I don't have the time to do it. And, and it literally just even reading or hearing your responses feel stressed. All you can do is all you can do. That's a reality, right? So reduce the stress and that alone will help. Two, focus on the core of your workouts. So you can reduce the zone two, the aerobic endurance training, but try to get what we call, you know, the intervals in. And intervals like today we did, or whenever you listen to this, our last workout was uh, 26 minutes of tempo. Try to get to that, right? And reduce your aerobic phases somewhat. Because if you're really time crunched, you're better off with a slightly more intensive approach than really long, slow, or steady distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll add um, the consistency piece. I mean, focus on, you know, we gave you in our kickoff, like ideal or best, better, good um, of how to modify the plan. If you need to, um, you can go back and watch that presentation again, if you have some things coming up and you need to change things around in your schedule, but we gave you good, better, best. Also from, you know, the nutrition standpoint, you don't have to overhaul your diet um, it just makes sure that you're getting in some energy, especially around your rides, especially for recovery, um, for your longer rides, taking in some calories during and, and start with that. Um, you can worry about the rest of your diet later, but right now that is going to allow you to be consistent in the program and, and to get the work done, provided you have the time. Um, I think Menachem said this in a strength kickoff, but you know, he's got, short time crunched strength program. So at least if you can find, I feel like we can all, it doesn't matter how busy we are. We can all find 20 minutes <laughs> during the week somewhere. Um, even if it's 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, I get it. Um, but yeah, just, just do something, um, instead of, you know, if you're chasing perfection, it's probably getting, end up getting stressful or very frustrating for you. So just do something. Great answer um okay this next one's more for you i think yeah it what are the effects of dehydration riding indoors do we need electrolytes so this is a little bit more specific to nutrition but i will say dehydration can can really impact all the systems um it can really impact your level of mental fatigue when you go to work after you ride um, if you're dehydrated or chronically dehydrated, it can uh, impact your focus, your attention. You can just feel very sleepy throughout the day. And we don't want that. So 
Um, I would say the impact on your workouts is going to be minimal at this point. I mean, you have people running world record marathon times that are 10% dehydration. So it's going to affect everyone's performance a little bit different. And we'll get, we'll address that as we get more into the nutrition program. But for now it is impactful in how you're going to feel during the day, your levels of energy and your levels of fatigue, not just on the bike, but throughout your day. So I think it's important to, you know, the simplest thing really is to use the color of your pee. (laughs) You want it to be like light yellow lemonade colored is kind of what the guidance is. Um, You don't need to go crazy with, water. I think if you are not thirsty, so if your thirst is like not super sensitive, then you can add a little bit of electrolytes to help you encourage drinking. I, you know, I sometimes do that when it's cold out and I just don't feel like drinking water. So add some flavor, add some sodium that can encourage drinking, but yeah, it is important. Um, even with indoor riding and then outdoor riding as well. Well, in indoor riding, you do tend to sweat a little more. One of the answers that's in there is keep the room cool, use a fan or two, the better you thermoregulate the, 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 you still need water, but the less of the impact of the dehydration. Yes. Yep. All right. Um, where, okay. This question was posed specifically for postmenopausal, but where does the need for heavy lifting plyometrics and sprint training come in? I feel like we've addressed this a few times, but I'll let you go. It tends to get asked a lot because I know it's a hot topic and it's been posted by people saying this is really important. Here's the, here's my answer. Everyone over 40 should have strength training as part of their health regime, let alone your training regime, your health regime. What happens is we start to lose muscle mass. And as part of that, we also lose VO2 max. When we think about our performance capabilities as endurance athletes, those two things are really important. The way we can fight against those is um, to introduce exercises, strength on the bike, running. There's plenty of ways to do it that are engaging large muscle sets in a higher intensity activity, right? That's the better general answer than focusing it on a single postmenopausal effect, because that suggests that men don't need to do it. And that's wrong. I mean, it's blatantly wrong and actually in certain ways worse for men to think about it that way. So the answer is, if you're over 40 and if you're and I don't know, it's not exactly 40, but you're starting a level of decline in that range that it's really important that we have an active uh, strength training with some high and higher intensity as part of our training. We have those things built into our program. But what happens is when you see this this combination of words, remember my point about complexity bias. Well, heavy must be crazy heavy, like lift heavy things, right? And high intensity must be crazy high intensity. That's not necessarily true. Explosive, high force velocity, levels of intensity, there are ways to achieve it that fit well within a training program, offset all the impact. Well, I'm sorry, that's wrong. As best we can offsets the impact of what happens as we decline, as we age, keep us healthier and performing. And those systems are built within our program. If you personally feel for things you've read that you need more heavyweight strength lifting, go for it go do what you do, but I'll give you one thing, right? 
watch how it impacts your overall training. Keep a very close eye because if you can, it can lead to haphazard results. It can lead to inconsistency. That's my only word of warning. Hmm. Yeah. Last night on Menachem Strength um, yeah. kickoff, he he had a, a quote from somebody. I can't remember um, exactly, but it was something like, it doesn't, I don't, don't tell me what your program is. Tell me how many days you've missed. And I think the more kind of crazy you're going with heavy lifting heavy and plyometrics and like crazy high, you know, sprints all the time, you're going to miss more days. You're going to not going to be able to be consistent. And that is the foundation of getting better. So you can do those things as an add on above, you know, above and beyond like the main program. Um, another thing, and I'm going to, hopefully I don't lose my train of thought. Um, Oh, it's not allowed in in our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) In our episode last week, when we were talking about building the aerobic foundation and zone two and all that, we did address aging. And I think it was a postmenopausal question, but again, we went more general because it's important for older athletes to do aerobic work because it is essential for the mitochondrial health, for glucose disposal from the blood into the muscle to counteract insulin resistance and all that. So that is aerobic training. It is not all sprint training. Um, I think the people who ask this question are, are hearing like a couple strong voices, but you're not thinking about like the big picture, um, which is exactly, Tim, you've coached how many really high level female athletes who are, you know, at every age. So yep. you know this better than anyone. I mean, I, look, I've been down this path as far as coasting, yeah. coaching women, menstrual cycles. I'm not shy about it. You get, it's part of the game, right? We mm-hmm. talk about it. We think about, we see the impact. I can tell you that there's a lot of individualization there and impact. I've done it with older women, you know, and, and later in their career that have had to deal with some of these realities. There's great information out there. My only, and we'll move on, be careful of reductionism. When we take it out of the whole training program or the whole, and we just make this one point, we don't often end up getting the result we want. Big picture thinking like Namrita was just saying, what we're talking about now, that's the best approach. You do need it. It is an important consideration, but it's part of a bigger program. It's done in the right periodized fashion, and it doesn't have to be as intensive as maybe the drama makes it feel. Mm-hmm. All right, That's next a question. good question. Um, what are signs that should cause me to reevaluate where I am putting my energy? I get to ask that one for some reason all the time. <laughs> um, you know, I want to answer it. There's another question coming up. I'm cheating and looking at the list. Um, like, what's the best use of my time? Um, things like that. Reality is... If you're following the program, if you're just doing the work, right, you should get a good balance of everything. And we shouldn't end up where you're saying, I need to reevaluate where I put my energy. We design it and lay it out in a way where it's achievable. It's We put in elements of motivation. So you need your individual motivation, but we're trying to give you some, some events and things and group training and fun to keep you there. We've done it in a good rhythm. Remember the second step of our consistency is at the bottom rhythm so that you can recover. 
So then you, based on that reality, you assume the question you're asking is like, if you're limited, like, are you talking about like these different systems? Just follow the pro, just do the work. Remember my complexity bias cartoon where the person like had two ideas of how to lose some weight. They were gonna, you know, move for 30 minutes a day and eat some, some less calories and then all their possible answers when they start thinking about it. The program is designed to, build on this interplay and get you there. Just do the work. Mm. Yeah. I'll just add again, you know, from the nutrition standpoint, if you are following everything in the training program to the best of your ability, and you find that it's harder than it should be, or you're more fatigued than you should be, then I would reevaluate. Are you eating enough and drinking? The program was designed from the skyscraper. This sounds Mm -hmm. arrogant. I don't mean it that way, but this is what it is. We're, We're already in the skyscraper. Right. And when you get there, we'll meet you there. We'll say hello. We'll have a beer. But the reality is that's what we're doing. We're looking down and we can see that big picture. That's what great coaching is. Like you, if you want to be a great coach, you have to live in the skyscraper and you got to be disciplined to always look at that big picture. And when you design training plans and modalities, and you got to keep that big picture in mind. This program is designed that way. Just keep doing the work. We'll get you there. That's awesome. I love that. Um, Okay. One to two times per month. I fast from Sunday evening through Tuesday morning. Is this too much with all the cycle cycling and lifting? Hmm. That's more you, but I wouldn't why, like, are you, you're fasting for a purpose. It could be, you want to lose weight. It could be you're um, doing a cleanse or something like that. it could be religion reasons. There's many reasons why Yeah. my personal and Namrita, you know, this better than me. So this will be your better question. I'm not a fan of fasting at all. It's too interruptive to the energy availability process of consistent training, and it's too much impact on the body. And I'm not convinced when all the dust settles about uh, intermittent fasting, that it's even good for you. I would wait for that, that, that when wait, wait another year when all the data really starts coming out. Uh, I'm not convinced it's as good for you as maybe some of the early indicators showed. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're doing this for religious purposes, you know, obviously like there will be some moving around of things that I think we can suggest um, to help make that happen. So it's less interrupted or less intrusive to your training um, and recovery. But if you're choosing to do it, I don't think it's a good idea um, for exactly why Tim just said. Also, if you're looking at, you know, fasting for longevity purposes, which is, you know, pretty popular out there, caloric restriction does the same thing. So you can still eat and you can maintain a little bit of a calorie deficit, complete your training on the bike, um, strength, just be in a little bit of a calorie deficit and you, you accomplish essentially the same thing, um, without all the negative consequences. So with all these new tools in the toolbox, how do we know what is best to use at the right time? I can answer that one in four words. <laughs> Just do the work. Yep. There you go. Next question. Literally, yep. it's designed as best as we can design it and get you there. We don't, we, we, you're, you're getting our best stuff. Just follow the program. Yeah. 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 We are, we are guiding you through it. We're doing the workouts with you. Every day there's a new article or video or something, you know, just just go with us and do the work. How about a deep dive into how to better balance our off the bike nutrition to our training cycles? Um, 
yes, I come to the nutrition session on Wednesday, um, the 13th, I think. So we'll be covering that some big picture things to focus on. Also, we have a nutrition center on the website. Um, go there. There's a guide, there's a recipe book. There is, um, the option again, to get your daily fueling targets put into your training plan. So I highly recommend doing that. Uh, so do I, I'm, I was surprised looking through the plans. A lot of people aren't using the daily targets. Go do the nutrition assessment in the learning center, right? In the locker room, in the, in the learning center, in the nutrition section, do the assessment, right? It's, it's there. And then we'll load up the actual targets to your program, to your training peaks account. And you can have them right there. Mm-hmm. what is the best pedaling technique for most efficient and highest power output <laughs> better put your flame retard and suit on because i actually was having this discussion with somebody in in thursday's workout um the common misconception let's start out what it's not because this misconception is so built into people's mentality we have this idea of this perfect circle when we're part pedaling 360 degrees. So we're pushing in this nice little direction and then we're pulling up on the backside. That could not be more wrong, maybe for a short sprint track cyclist, but generally it cannot be more wrong. The reality is pulling up on the backside doesn't really add any power, but it adds a lot of uh, kilojoule burn. Like what happens when you're pulling up on the outside, you're using your calf and your hamstring more, actually on uh, all your muscles. And to use those muscles to stabilize, to make that activation, you're, you're burning kilojoules of energy for that muscular response. It's contracting, it's doing something, right? The cost of that over time is not worth any impact to you that mythical pedaling smoothness is worth. And when I say this, people are, you know, sometimes get a little freaky. No, no, I spent my whole life spinning circles. That's nice, but there has been study after, and some of them I've been part of, and 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 with our national team and, and some pretty high-level groups, study after study after study validate the only thing that highly separates a professional cyclist in that powerful pedaling technique is they tend to have a slightly lower heel angle and they push down harder in the power phase somewhere if you think about a clock phase right somewhere between around let's just keep it super big between like 12 and 5 right they're just better at pushing down and we're working on that in our programs now i spent a lot of time on thursday's workout we're doing the 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 drop and stomp right drop your heel a little bit up top and then focus on stomping down that really is the best way to pedal But it's hard to convince people because we've been taught this smooth circle, pull up on the backside. You know, you want to scrape mud off and pull up on the backside. Physiologically, it's just very wrong. It's not the right answer. Yeah. (laughs) I just like, I cringe to think how many times I had like high hamstring issues and like other little injuries from trying to pedal like that. I talked about to say what happens, everybody think about your pedaling, right? Your, your, your left, right foot are always doing the opposing thing because you're attached to a crank. The thing is when you're trying to pull up on the backside leg coming around, the other leg is way freaking stronger. <laughs> so when it's pushing down, it's overpowering that leg coming up. So if you're trying to engage that muscle and pull up, it's super uncoordinated. 
And all you're doing is a bunch of bad signaling and bad signaling response and risking injury and burning extra kilojoules, extra energy to do that. So yeah, you want to gently clear that foot. You need to build the habit. You don't want it to be an impingement to the pushdown foot, but you're not lifting, you're not creating power. It will never overpower your quad pushing down, your glute into your quad pushing down is significantly stronger, significantly stronger than anything you're gonna generate on the backside. Mm. Yeah, such good info. Um, all right, last one. Fueling for shorter or less intense Wednesday through Friday rides, do these always require carbs before, during, and after? Um, no, I never use the word always because the context is so important. So generally speaking, you need less fuel for shorter or less intense rides, but we need to look at everything in the big picture of the training week and, you know, what you're doing for the whole week, Tuesday through Sunday, let's say. Um, so to some degree, you want to be thinking about what's also coming up big picture. You need to make sure you're meeting your energy needs your carbohydrate targets, and then timing it appropriately to get through the workout to maximize the workout itself and then adaptation. So the best answer I can give you for this is to go download again from the website, the daily energy targets. Mm -hmm. It will go into your training plan and you can see what I recommend for those specific days for each week. Great. All right, anything else? No, I think that's all the questions. Good work, woohoo. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks Podcast for listening. Number two. <laughs> yeah, for more coaching and nutrition content and information on all our coaching programs, visit us at joinbasecamp.com. Our mission at Basecamp is to empower and educate you, the athlete, and to provide a training and learning community for the seasoned racer and newer rider alike. For everyone in our winter training community, we look forward to continuing these discussions with you in our forums, and we'll see you back with another episode next week. Bye. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.